When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Realistic Randy is one of the OG callers into Vikings Vent Line. And now, he's one of the biggest Vikings YouTube superstars on Earth. His Vikings pain is now your game. This is Realistic Randy Rants with Randy and Declan on Purple Daily and Score North. Realistic Randy Rants on the Purple Daily YouTube channel. Randy, I am once again rocking my Victory Monday shirt. I don't know what a uh, what a non-victory Monday looks like this season. And uh, once again, the Minnesota Vikings drag us through the muck a little bit. But my God, that was one of the most entertaining football games I have ever seen. They That's the it. most craziest I've been going. Even like post, the miracle was nuts because it was more of the play than it was. It was a good game. Don't get me wrong. But uh, the yanking back and forth that happened yesterday against the Buffalo Bills, in terms of an emotional roller coaster, I felt like the Undertaker rising up from the dead numerous times to choke slam uh, my opponents. Uh, I would love to hear your opening monologue and your opening take on the Vikings beating the Buffalo Bills inside Buffalo to improve yes. to eight and one on the season. Well, last week I was on the campaign trail of I want Josh Allen. Damn it! Yeah, I want the Vikings to face the Buffalo Bills at their healthiest with Josh Allen playing. If we think this team is a contender, the Minnesota Vikings, then what's the problem? I want to see some sort of improvement compared to what we saw in week two against the Eagles. Similar type of team as far as uh, contenders in the NFL. And the response largely that I got from it, it was a little bit disappointing is, well, you know what? I'd rather the Vikings be eight and one. So bring on Case Keenum. If we play Josh Allen, that's an automatic L. But the way that we had been playing the last few weeks okay this team they can compete let's see what they can do against the best of the best buffalo at buffalo that's certainly going to do that that was a championship level performance the first half not so much 24 points allowed although the rest of the game the defense allowed six points and the offense after the first drive the justin jefferson touchdown up until about less than two minutes left in the third quarter the offense was dead mostly you can divvy up the blame however you want with play calling and then especially Kirk Cousins two interceptions Dalvin Cook the 81 yard touchdown run that got them back on CJ Ham a touchdown run but the level of toughness displayed by this team it was think of any other Vikings team besides now in that situation down three scores in the third quarter we lose that game for me you have to go back to 09 yeah. for a Vikings team to possibly win that game the highs, the lows, the emotional tug of war. But this was a great team win. And I, I'm telling you, man, up until I want to say the fourth quarter, 
the play Eric Kendricks made on Stefan Diggs to force the fourth down, Vikings get the ball back. From that point on, and the final drive in regulation for the Vikings, I stood up. I take notes throughout the game yeah. just to make sure, very detailed, okay, when it's time to do the video, I want to know what happened in this quarter at this time. I'm very meticulous when it comes to that. But at that point in time, Declan Goff, Eric Kendricks to play on Stefan Diggs. I stood up. I threw the notes down. I was lost. I was hollering the rest of the game. I became – it brought back the childhood fandom yeah. in me. I was screaming to no degree. And then the, the catch, we're going to talk about the catch, certainly. And then when it came down to, oh, man, turnover on downs, they're at the goal line, it's over. And I was just saying to myself, man, you can't, you can't lose this game. You've done too much to climb your way back. And you're going to lose. That's going to be such a letdown. We deserve this win. And boy, I tell you what, that fumble recovery for a touchdown was insane. In fact, this is a beat writer. His name is Ryan O'Halloran. He's a sports writer for the Buffalo News. He tweeted out yesterday, this is how tough the Vikings were. Via by play or penalty, Vikings converted following plays against the Bills. Third and 11, third and 10, third and 12, fourth and six, fourth and 18, third and 10. What? <laughs> that that sounds like the Chiefs a couple of years ago when they won the Super Bowl. Yeah, That's right. the Vikings right now. I'm so proud of this team because this is the new degree that I've been waiting for forever as a Vikings fan. It, you can have all the talent in the world, but when everything falls apart, you need to be tough. You're going to be in critical situations to where you're just going to have to grit your way to victories in the nastiest of ways. They haven't had that. They would just get punched in the mouth and just fall back years past. This is new. This is different. We're finally seeing it right now. And I think they can compete with anybody in the league. And one more thought. I said that for the Vikings to get a win, two things, you need to force at least two turnovers. They got four. You need to Stefan Diggs, he's going to go off. Don't let him take you out the game. They didn't. They met those requirements. They won the game. Tough environment. They played Josh Allen and still got the win. This team is for real. They are for real. And before I ask you a question about the game, I'm just going to give you a quick little thought that I had that I, I felt that that win, every Vikings team that I that I have a mostly a conscious memory of, in 98 I was a little too young, so I, I just don't really have a memory of 98. But I know that obviously the Randy Moss game against Lam- against the Packers in Lambeau was kind of the turning point of that season of not just the Randy Moss coming out party, but oh, the Vikings are legit. They just went into Lambeau. They beat a team that hasn't lost at home in years. Um, they beat the Super Bowl champion, like a Super Bowl contender in Brett Favre. This is going to be insane. The 98 Vikings are legit. In 09, you had a similar play with Greg Lewis, right? When, when Favre hit Greg Lewis, that you thought, oh, this is not just uh, old QB manager Brett Favre with the Jets. This is old school Brett Favre, and they have Adrian Peterson, and they have a great offense and a great defense. This team is for real, and they went on and had a magical year. Um, 2017, for me, that moment came, as I've told you before, when they beat the Rams, when they beat Sean McVay at home, number one offense versus number one defense. Mike Zimmer cooked up a game plan. Jared Goff and the number one offense and Sean McVay had no answer for, Vikes, for, for the Vikings' defense. The Vikings proved that they were legit contenders in the NFC. I feel like this game against the Bills proves to the world and proves to the NFL that the 2022 Vikings are for real and that they are indeed a Super Bowl contender. You know, um, in 2019, yeah, they went to the divisional round, but it was just kind of riding a little bit of emotions. They got off to a weird start. Um, 2015 was a divisional, also winning team that was really, really solid, but was built mostly on a, just a, a valiant defense with the game manager quarterback. It seems like these 
teams, 2017, 2012, 09, back to 98 as well, all had signature wins, right? They all had signature wins against an opponent that proved on a national spotlight that Minnesota belonged in the Super Bowl contention. And I feel like this win against the Bills puts the Vikings firmly in the Super Bowl contention. Like, are, are they as good as the Kansas City Chiefs? Maybe not, but are they now in the same tier, in my opinion, as the Chiefs, the Bills, the Eagles, and now the Vikings, the top four teams probably in the NFL? Yes, I think they're firmly in the mix as a tier one team in the NFL after their win over the Bills. And they're going to win in their own way. You don't even have to be the Bills. You don't have to be the Kansas City Chiefs. You don't have to be the Eagles. You've shown enough. You're eight and one right now. You've shown plenty enough that you can win games playing Vikings football. And the thing is, I've made this comparison last week as far as, you know, are they kind of similar to the Niners in their heyday or the New York Giants when they were going into the playoffs as a wild card team, but they had a great defense and they just won games really close. Is that going to be the Vikings formula? I don't know. I think there's more to this team that they're still figuring out, especially on offense. After that first scripted drive, the filling in the middle of the game, you got to figure it out as far as play calling is concerned. But if they can get that together and if Kirk Cousins can be more consistent after that first drive, this team can be even better than what they've shown so far at eight and one, which is scary for the rest of the league. But worst comes to worst, you can win games in the toughest of ways possible. You've shown that to be eight and one right now. Yeah, and we'll, we'll get into also the Cowboys game uh, later on in the podcast, just kind of previewing that and looking at, at the situation where the Vikings are actually underdogs at home. Uh, but it just it seems like in general, and again, we'll talk about with the other NFC teams too, that the Vikings are just, they're now in the upper echelon of teams in the NFL, man. I mean, when you win like that, even with them being 7-1 and one going into the game, there's still questions. And even on today's national spotlight, ESPN, the ringer, everyone's still kind of not. They're more shocked the Bills lost than they are that the Vikings prove now, that they won. Them. Screw them. Yeah. Screw them. Who needs them? Let them talk all that trash. Like, oh, it's the Bills. What's happening to the Bills? <laughs> Josh Allen, is it over for him? Maybe they got to figure it out. No one ever talks about it. It's been that same way for 22 years. No one ever respects the Vikings. And once I realized that, I stopped giving a damn. So by all means, keep talking about what the Bills did to lose that game. And then Sean McDermott, do they need to? What's going to happen here? Keep sleeping on us. Who cares? Screw them. Was yesterday's win over the Bills, Randy, the greatest Vikings game you've ever seen just from, from start to finish and just entertainment value-wise was in, in your in your Vikings fandom, was was yesterday's win over the Bills the craziest NFL or maybe Vikings game you've ever seen? Vikings game, definitely. And you brought this up earlier, the Minneapolis Miracle game. That's really, depending on who you ask, yeah. that comes down to basically one play, the Stefan Diggs play. Although for me, it was really two plays. Before that, the Kai Forbath field goal, 53-yarder to keep the Vikings in that game. That was huge as well, but everyone t- tends to forget about that, so it's all Stefan Diggs. Okay, fine, so one or two plays. That game yesterday, there were several plays <laughs> that combined made the entertainment factor of that game to where some, I had to go back and rewatch the game to remind myself, oh yeah, there was an 81-yard touchdown run by Dalvin Cook. There was the fumble recovery that they had earlier, what, later in the first half. They made so many plays back and forth. The two interceptions, that was sexy. The catch by Justin Jefferson. The drama. Christian Derisaw went out with a concussion. At at that point, I said, oh, we're done. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to have to put so much help on the left side. Blake Brandle came in, and he played well. And that's what I'm talking about as far as, the great team win that that was, everybody on that team, offense and defense, 
everybody contributed. So maybe Ed Ingram, he had a couple of plays, but I mean, my God, you trip into the quarterback twice. That's ridiculous. And I tell you what, even if you're not a Vikings or actually I kind of feel bad for Bills fans to be on the receiving end of that, that's tough. But even if you're not a fan of either team, my goodness, the entertainment value that the fumble recovery for a touchdown. I mean, my God, if you're all about the trenches and X's and O's, the way that they attack that ball, because after the turnover on downs, I just accepted defeat. I said, it's over. There's no way. Victory formation. Here we go. And then all of a sudden, it reminded me when I saw where they lined up at, I said, oh, they're in the danger zone. They have to actually yeah. make a play before they can run out the clock. And Declan Goff, the way that they attacked that ball off the snap, Harrison Phillips, dove underneath everybody else jumped over top eric hendricks with the recovery that was a great game from start to finish so for me in the back and forth the drama greatest vikings game of all time i'll ask you another question about the jefferson catch here in just a minute too but i kind of forgot once the qb sneak fail which by the way i think the qb sneak was the right call i i i, 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 saw, I saw some twitter like i don't love the qb sneak like the ball has to go a half inch and yes, is Kirk Tom Brady level QB sneak? No, like he's the master of it. But can you just force your way through the GD goal? Once it gets the goal line, it's done. It's touchdown. The play's dead. So I respected the call. I thought that was the right call. I didn't think they should have gotten cute with a handoff or a pitch out or a pass play. They did the right thing. Kirk should have pushed it in. He's got to execute it. But I had no issue with the QB sneak. Um, I kind of then forgot, though, after the obviously the review was going on. And I think it was probably right before they announced that, hey, the call stands, it's it's uh, it's short, it's not a touchdown. Like, oh, right, they are literally, because the field has to flip, they are right on the goal line. Like, they have to actually get a couple yards here to not force a safety. My first thought was, oh, they, they did force a safety, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, they got a safety, but they still got to get the ball back. That's still going to be a march. And then it started clicking, like, oh, my God, I think, are they trying to signal that they have the ball? Are they trying to say that it's a touchdown? And same thing, I just started going bonkers. Absolutely, probably the most hyped I have ever been up until that moment in the game, when the Pat P pick happened, I went a little more insane. Um, but that play, I forgot, basically, that, oh, the Bills still got to get, like, a yard or two to get out of, like, be- having to force a safety. And then, of course, we still have, you know, people saying, well, they probably should have elected for the safety, kick the ball back to, like, no, they weren't going to do that, for God's sakes. Like, that would have been dumber no. to do either, either way. Um, it was just crazy to see, to your, to your point from earlier, that the Vikings have this resilient group that they can just figure out ways to win games, they'll win it ugly. They'll win it flashy. They can go hate it. They can go toe to toe and throw haymakers with opposing teams. I think that's what was so impressive to me was all these crazy things were going on. It was one thing after another. But yes, the the scoop and score basically in the end zone kind of kind of made me just go absolutely nuts throughout the game. And the roller coaster of emotions because after that turnover for the touchdown, I said, "Oh, we won. Okay, we're just going to get a stop and everything's going to be fine." Except they marched up the field thanks in part to the Gabe Davis incompletion that should have been called, but they didn't review that, whatever. But they marched up the field and tied the game to go into overtime, and then the sinking feeling came back. Oh, boy, here we go. (laughs) And I was saying, you know what? I have a hot take here, and this is just anecdotally speaking. The coin toss. Yeah, dude. I'm a big (laughs) fan of tails. Call tails. Every single time, tails, tails, tails. (laughs) For some reason, I feel like you can't miss with that. But – Usually what happens is, oh, I want heads. And then they flip it. It is tails. And then the ball goes the other way. They call tails. I said, heck yeah, they did it. And we got the ball back. Go up by three. Sweet. One more stop. They marched up the field again. Josh Allen scrambling for about 38 yards, first and second down. Missed tackles left and right. 
And then the pass breakup by Duke Shelley. Did you know who Duke Shelley was? Hell no. I said, who the hell is that corner? Yeah. Yeah. I said, who the hell is that guy? He turned around. They they showed the jersey name. I said, Shelley? Who is this guy? Okay, you know what? I'm just going to roll with it. Bigger fish to fry right now. And then that interception by P2. I... It happened so fast. I saw Josh Allen. He made a strike to the end zone. And you know the way that the camera moves along with the ball. Yeah. So I wasn't able to process everything in time. But then how I knew that we got it, the camera then all of a sudden abruptly went the opposite direction. I said, okay, we got the interception. Oh, it's P2. Game over. The highs and lows, you can't ask for anything more as an NFL fan. Buffalo Bills fans, that's tough. But anybody else, that's great entertainment. Uh, Randy, on the Justin Jefferson catch, which we haven't talked about, um, first off, a monster day before we even get into the catch. Just 196 yards, uh, 10 grabs. Everything he was grabbing was had low probability rate. Kirk kept feeding him no matter what, and Jefferson proved that um, he's basically the superstar receiver, and that's why you feed the beast, right? Like That is exactly why you feed Justin Jefferson. If you feed him, he's a superstar player, and he can ch- make game-changing plays. And then obviously then led to what I think is probably the greatest catch of all time. I thought Stefan Diggs's catch. I said, "Oh, that's the catch of the year right there about about, you know, 10-15 plays before." I was like, that is that's an impressive ass catch. Like he just snagged that down one-handed no biggie. Like that's probably the front runner so far this season for the catch of the year. 15 minutes later, Justin Jefferson said, "Oh, that's cute. Watch what I can do." And snagged one of the I don't I still don't I've been looking at the picture in the freeze frame still. I don't get how another dude has his hands basically on top, all he has to do is just hold on to that football. How Jefferson has the point of point of reference and the strength to basically palm it down and hold it, I thought it was still intercepted. I thought, oh, damn it, he threw a pick. Like, that's intercepted. And then I realized with the announcers going crazy and Jefferson and the Vikings sideline going nuts that, no, Justin Jefferson just literally stole the ball out of midair with insane athleticism. I, I personally think just in terms of that athletic ability – it's the greatest catch I have ever seen, just from the athletic standpoint. Remove the context of you know Minneapolis Miracles and San Antonio Holmes and David Tyree. Of course, like that's Super Bowl big-time plays. I'm talking just pure athletic ability. That is the greatest catch I have ever seen. 100%. The greatest catch of all time in the history of the sport. And when you think about the degree of difficulty, when it happened in real time, it happened so fast, I said, clearly that's an incomplete or it's an interception. Either way, the game is over for us. That's another high and low moment right there. I said, oh, man, this sucks. But then you saw the Vikings players on the sideline, the way that they reacted, and then the pitch, the voice pitch of the broadcaster <laughs> raised up. And, said, and I said, oh, my God, I can't handle it. What happened? He caught it. He actually caught that ball. And you're right. Cam Lewis, the defensive back for the Bills, Better position to make a play on that ball. He had two hands on it compared to Justin Jefferson's one. And the fact that he was able, Jefferson, to stretch his arm all the way. It was technically an overthrown ball, too, if you want to be technical about it. Reached his arm all the way back to the highest arc. Palmed it one hand and somehow had the strength to bring it back down and corral it into his body as he went to the ground. That's the greatest catch of all time. We can talk about other catches we want to compare it to, I can only think of two individual catches. OBJ, the catch. Yeah, of course. Is it better than the OBJ catch? I think it is. I think it is. Because because of the defender draped over him. Like, like, yeah, OBJ, you know, I mean, 
I think both of them belong in their own athletic, insane ability. Like the David Tyree catch, like I almost, that's fluky, right? right? He traps the ball on his head. You know, San Antonio Holmes, it was more of the toe tap necessarily than it was the reception. Um, even uh, in the, you know, Falcons and Epic Patriots Super Bowl collapse, like Julian Edelman and Julio Jones actually both had insane catches in that game. But I, I think just in terms of the athletic ability to snag it, and when you look again just at the image of the freeze frame, I, there's some actually great photographers who got great pictures of it. It makes no sense how that ball is caught. It makes no sense. Like the OBJ one's almost photogenic and it looks superhero-like because it looks really badass because he's falling backwards and he, and he has it. This, I have no general explanation of how he snagged that ball. And I, it comes again, in my opinion, down to the athleticism that Jefferson has to make that play happen. And OBJ wasn't covered nearly as tight as Jefferson was yesterday on that play. It was basically OBJ versus the air to make that catch. <laughs> yeah. And then you had David Tyree. I agree, a fluky play. It lands on his helmet, so he just sticks it there. Okay, just fall to the ground, keep it. Even Santonio Holmes, those are the only notable catches that I can think of. And Justin Jefferson clears that by a mile. And to your point, it's insane that he was able to make that grab. He shouldn't have been able to do it. It's impossible by any other standard. And that's why we are getting closer and closer to the Randy Moss comparison because he did the same damn thing. I don't remember him, Moss, making a catch like that. But as far as those catches that he did on a routine basis, where how the hell did he do that? That's impossible to where his name becomes a verb playing street ball. Oh, my God, you're going to get Moss. I'm going to Moss you. And it, to some degree, reminds me of maybe apples to oranges here, but even Vince Carter. Vince right. Carter, the way that he would dunk the basketball, not just in dunk contests, because you see wide receivers, they'll make one-handed grabs and warm-ups and do all this stuff, go on Instagram and TikTok. Look at this. Bam. Okay. Vince Carter made those same type of dunks that he did in dunk contests in actual games. Right. Justin Jefferson, he's doing the same thing that these other receivers are doing on social media. Look at me. He's doing that in games with coverage draped all over him. Greatest catch of all time. All right, so I'll give you, uh, I have a couple other notes to give you, but I'll give you my, my Greg Joseph uh, take here on, on the situation as, as you were texting yes. me yesterday and as I told uh, Mackie and Judd today on Purple Day, which some people maybe have already consumed and they probably heard what I've said, but I'll repeat it. I think Greg Joseph missing that extra point oh my God. actually led, was, was the greatest thing to happen in the game because it forced the Vikings to be aggressive. It forced the Vikings to go for it on the fourth down that created the Justin Jefferson catch. I think if it's a if it's indeed kicked in there and it's great, now you're only playing for three. Now you're playing for different field position. You have a whole different situation that's going on. I think they get conservative. I don't think they go for it on fourth and one. It's a butterfly effect of, yes, he needs to make his extra points. I'm 100% with you. But I also think him missing that field goal changed the entire perception for the rest of the game for the Vikings that created more of this chaos. Him missing that extra point actually was the best thing to happen in that game. That was my take. That's my take on it. Have you no shame? <laughs> you are the mental gymnastics that you are doing right now. It is incredible. The game the game arguably should have ended at the end of regulation with a Vikings win by one point. Because and we could say, well, you know what, the Buffalo Bills, they would have went for the touchdown. Obviously they had no choice but to do it. But who's to say the Vikings would not have stopped them? Patrick Peterson, he had two interceptions in the end zone. But we can only do this for so long, Declan Goff, before your guy, your boy, 
ultimately, we are so lucky. He is so lucky that he did not cost his team a game and a win. It's only a matter of time before that happens. They won the game in spite of him. But when you're talking about, dude, missing extra points, that's a layup. That should be a layup for any kicker in the National Football League. And, and, you know, I'm just so tired. I'm so tired. After the C.J. Ham touchdown, that was so big time. And you should have made it a three-point game. That was so big time. I got so excited. I'm sure, like, all the other fans in the world got so excited seeing that. But I'm so tired of getting excited. And then I forget when they all of a sudden say, and now Greg Joseph lines up to kick. I say, oh, my God, that's right. Oh, I got to hold, got to reel it back in just a little bit. I'm tired of doing that. You want to miss from 50 yards out on field goal attempts? Fine. Make your damn extra points. It's ridiculous. He gets paid two and a half million dollars to not make extra points. Yeah. Yeah, he's barely missed four. That's uh, as many as he already had last season, and I get it. Um, Vikings fans are scarred, and it kind of feels like, uh, well, we've kind of seen this play before, play out where it's going to be a big game on wild card weekend or in divisional round, and you need an extra point or you need a chip shot, and uh, I need to say no more. You already know how that play ends. So, that, yeah, that was kind of my point on Greg Joseph. I, I think that, yes, he needs to make his kicks. I think his job's still potentially on watch here for sure, but it kind of also then led to even more chaos for the Vikings. And I, I don't think that they go for it on fourth down. I don't know if even the play happens to Jefferson, for God's sake. So it, it's this crazy butterfly effect to me of him missing that kick then opens the door for another just Pandora's box of everything ready just talked about because all that basically all that fun stuff happened essentially after he missed the extra point. So that's where I'm at with him. That's where I'm at. But I hope to God he gets these yips out now because we can't have one here in about two months. I never want to relive the Blair Walsh experiment again. When I tell you I had an out-of-body experience, that game against Seattle, the wild-card playoff game, yeah. and I already had my issues with Blair Walsh. This was before I did. I started my YouTube channel. I think I was doing SoundCloud back then. But I was very much anti-Blair Walsh. I said, I don't trust this guy one bit. And when he lined up to kick, I said, I don't know, but he should make it 27 yards out. And it was nowhere close. And I collapsed to the ground. I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. I don't want to go through that again. Basically sullying the success that this team has the rest of the way because one guy can't make a chip shot. I don't want to see that again. And I feel like we're headed down the path of that repeating itself. Uh, a couple other observations I noticed in the game yesterday, Randy. Um you know, credit where credit is due to Dalvin Cook. Uh, he didn't yeah. get the ball a lot. He was honestly mostly ineffective. Um, and then he rips off. What, right when I kind of had that game written off at that point, right before the 81, I was like, all right, well, this is pretty much over. Like maybe the Vikings get another six, but I think they'll probably be dead in the water. Josh Allen's firing on all cylinders. This is probably a wrap here. He rips off that 81-yard touchdown run, which I believe was like the second longest play of the NFL this season, which is pretty crazy. And that just opened up everything else like that that kind of was the turning point for the vikings if you will to get back into the game um and it's famine famine feast right like he i think only averaged like 2.6 yards per carry if you remove that 81 yard score but that home run play that we haven't really seen from dalvin too much this season ends up kind of laying the foundation of an epic vikings win and he deserves a lot of credit and part of the problem that i had with the play calling for much of that game was the amount of first down pitches to Dalvin Cook to where he gets shut out, a tackle for loss, or maybe get back to the line of scrimmage, or maybe a one-yard gain. And they kept going to that over and over again on first down. I'm saying, what are you doing? You're basically forfeiting this drive 
But to his credit, if he is able to have that one home run play, not a game, that's too much to ask for, but maybe, goodness, every two or three games, that's valuable in itself. It's almost like the tail end of Adrian Peterson, so to speak. But he went off only 14 carries yesterday for 119 yards. That's very, very impressive. So I wanted him traded. I said, I'm done with this guy. But he's shown over the last couple of weeks that he's still very much a huge piece of this offense, especially. And the and he was so valuable yesterday. The Vikings offense was dead in the water. It was over. I said, wow, this is this is one of those Kirk Cousins games. And I was just ready to write him off and say, all right, quarterbacks, mock drafts in 2023. Who can we go after? Because I was done with him. Because normally in those type of games, Kirk Cousins, when he looks all uh, flustered and he looks just shell-shocked and scared, he never recovers from that. Almost never. But that Dalvin Cook run brought this team back to life. And credit to Kirk Cousins, it helped him the rest of the game. Dalvin Cook, he helped the team on offense, but also to his quarterback as well. That's huge. A uh, few other things that stood out. My God, Ed Ingram, can you? It's one thing if uh, you can't, you're having trouble blocking dudes. Can you stop tripping your own quarterback? <laughs> like, it, it, I know it's a fluke. The first time I was like, oh my God, he tripped him. But like, oh, okay, it's the first quarter. Like, you know, as long as it's not going to happen again, it happened again. It somehow happened again. I don't know how that's possible. I don't know how you multiple times trip your own quarterback, and Ed Ingram managed to do that. Um, after a promising camp, and I, I'm not writing the guy off by any means. I think I think this dude still has a future figuring out being a consistent lineman on this team. Ezra Cleveland didn't come out and was a stud his rookie year by any means. He took some lumps too. Uh, but Ed Ingram, man, he's got to figure it out here pretty damn soon because it's clear that he is the weak link on the line and honestly in the offense as a whole. Do you remember, I think this was 2015, to start the season, the Vikings played the San Francisco 49ers at Levi Stadium. Oh, yeah, yeah, whooped. TJ Clemmings yeah. on the offensive line <laughs> hugged Teddy Bridgewater at least once. He may have done it another <laughs> time after that for at least two times, but it reminded me of that. My God, Ed Ingram. It, to your point, I don't, I don't think the Vikings should just be outright done with him. Give him another shot next year. But right now, he's clearly not ready. He's just not. Chris Reed is still there. At least do a press conference. Talk about it. Can someone in the media ask the coaching staff, Kevin O'Connell, Chris Cooper, offensive line coach, what is happening with Chris Reed? Do you think Ed Ingram deserves to start the rest of the year? And if so, tell me where he shines. Explain to me why I am overreacting. Because he he hasn't shown anything to suggest that, okay, he can bounce back. He's getting worse and worse every single game. He went from stud, this is our right guard of the future, to now comparisons to TJ Clemmings. It's not that far off. We've reached critical mass. Something's got to give here. Uh, Randy, this weekend, the Vikings return home. They're home for the next four of their five games. Um, they, I mean, hell, I can't believe they went 2-0 out of the, uh, out of their bye, basically, against two really tough road teams in Washington and wins in Buffalo. Now they're home for four out of five. Um, they welcome the Dallas Cowboys, who blew a 17 or a 14-point lead, I should say, out of the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Packers ended up winning. I, I kind of forgot that that game was unfolding. It was like 8 o'clock, and I was watching Sunday Night Football, and then they saw, and the Packers managed to come back against the Dallas Cowboys. And I was like, Oh yeah, I forgot that uh, those two teams were playing, and like I didn't know Dallas ended up blowing that lead. But regardless, Vikings are at home, and they are actually two point dogs to the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Cowboys six and three, 
maybe the, probably a lock to be a playoff. I, should, I shouldn't say a lock, but probably very likely they'll be in the postseason. They'll probably won't be able to catch the Philadelphia Eagles just from a record standpoint. But a team that probably will be in the mix uh, when the wild card weekend opens. Are you surprised that the Vikings are two-point dogs at home to the Dallas Cowboys? Initially, I'm annoyed at it. Yeah. But if I take away my fandom and try to look at this objectively, I would say, okay, the odds makers. What would they see in this game for the Vikings at home, by the way, U.S. Bank Stadium? What would they see to suggest, okay, the Cowboys should actually be the favorites? Two things I can think of. Uh, Christian Derrissaw out with a concussion. If Mm. he's able to return, if he's not able to return, that would be a big deal. And then a Caleb Evans as well. So the secondary is very leaky for this Vikings defense. And then if Christian Derrissaw can't come back, okay, we've got some problems here. But other than that, no. The Vikings should clearly win this game. And if Blake Brandle plays as well as he did yesterday against the Bills, you know what, I'll take my chances. Dak Prescott has been leaky at quarterback. They, I understand they've got Micah Parsons. They have playmakers on that team, but the Vikings are a better football team right now. I, I So other than the questionable injuries to our own players that would maybe – Swing the odds in Dallas's favor. That's it. The Vikings should absolutely win this game. Yeah, I think they should. You know, Micah Parsons is an insanely impactful linebacker. You just don't see linebackers of his of his prowess in today's age get the respect and the type of play that he has. He's a damn good player. Uh, so the Vikings de- uh, offense will have their hands full trying to slow him down. I think with if if Derisaw's out, if you can guarantee me that Blake Brandle plays the way he played uh, when mm-hmm. uh, against the Bills. And I would say I can get that performance again. Yeah, they should be fine. That's still a little cause for concern because Christian Darius has legit been, I think, like the second greatest tackle, highest graded tackle in the NFL this season. Um, but I, I'm a little surprised. I, I would think that because the Vikings are eight and one, so two po- two games better. They're at home. Yeah, they're missing a left tackle, which is important. But they're not like without their quarterback. It's not like they're out Jefferson. They're without a tackle, and the odds makers in Vegas, who always know way more than we do. Are saying no, the Cowboys are still favorites. That that confuses me. Like I'm 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 legit still kind of perplexed as at the very at the very worst that game doesn't open as a push. That doesn't open as like how how do the Vikings at home not the, not get the respect of three point favorites to me? Like I am a little puzzled by the fact that on Monday the day after the games that the Cowboys also lost to the to the Packers uh, yet yesterday that the Vikings open as the dogs. It it, it just it's pretty confusing to me. Well, to play devil's advocate on Blake Brandle, Greg Rousseau for the Bills did not play yesterday. Had he played and if he had faced Rousseau, maybe things would have been a little bit different, perhaps not as good of a day for Blake Brandle yesterday. So they decide to say, hey, Michael Parsons, why even go through the struggle of Brian O'Neill? Go ahead and go to the right end side and take on Blake Brandle. That could wreak so much havoc for this team. It could cause so many problems, and especially with Ed Ingram and his struggles. Think about this. Before the Christian Derrissaw injury, even technically still, that's not the case. Blake Brandle, he played well. All that aside, Ed Ingram has been really the only problem. Ezra Cleveland can kind of go in there the last couple of games. He hasn't looked great. But for the most part, Ed Ingram has been the sole problem on this offensive line. If you're talking about going to then two with Blake Brandle, so you have a problem on the left and the right side, and you want to go ahead and move your best linebacker, your best 
pass rusher Micah Parsons over to the right side, right end, to take on Blake Brandle. Now you got two problems on the offensive line, and that could that could cause a lot of problems. So that yes, we're losing a left tackle, and on the surface, at least back in my twenties, I would say oh, it's a fat guy. Who cares? But no. <laughs> Christian Derrissaw is an all-pro player, yeah. and when he went down, I just I lost it. I said, okay, we're done for. Blake Brandle played well. This would be a different machine. You didn't face Greg Rousseau yesterday. You're potentially facing Micah Parsons. If Christian Derrissaw is still out, that could be a big deal. So I'm not going to ask you this question from the vantage point of would the Vikings be favored or not favored, but when I look at the, when I look at the NFC here, and I'm actually going to remove the Eagles just because I'm going to assume that they'll be the one seed. Certainly not a lock for to be the one seed, but they're probably going to be the one seed in the NFC here. Which of these teams would scare you if you had to play them in your own barn? So like you're, you're, you're at home on Wild Card Weekend. Which of, you'd let me know if any of these teams scare you from a Vikings fan or from a Vikings standpoint on Wild Card Weekend. Okay. The New York Giants. No. Okay. No. I, I Daniel Jones uh, in the playoffs. I, I think the Vikings would have experience on their side there. As long as you can stop Saquon Barkley, I think you win that game. So no, I think we'll have more clarity on this after Sunday's game. But the Dallas Cowboys, no, no, the Cowboys are they're kind of in that tier for the last I don't know, ten fifteen <laughs> years of the Vikings of just blowing opportunities. They find yep. ways to lose games. And I don't see it being any different. The Cowboys, they just don't scare me at all. Dak Prescott or not. In the NFC West, um, it's still a dogfight, but I'm, I'm, I'm without it being, uh, not having a clear-cut division winner in this in this division, because it it, it's up in the air still. Do the Seattle Seahawks, if they had to come to U.S. Bank Stadium, do they scare you? Potentially, because I, I can't figure them out right now. They have playmakers in Tyler Lockett and D.K. Metcalf. I, but Geno Smith has had a resurgence in his career like none other. I don't think I've seen anything yeah. like it to where now he could win comeback player of the year. In fact, he should be probably the odds on favorite. I don't know about them yet. I would say potentially. The San Francisco 49ers. Yes. They, they scare, scare me. You. Okay. They scare me. They're, they're that team. They're that team that even as a six or a seven seed, they just have to get into the playoffs. And I tell you what, they are built for playoff football. They are tough. In the regular season, they, they, I don't understand what happens. A switch goes off once they go into the playoffs, but they've always been known for a great run game. They have Christian McCaffrey now. They've got Elijah Mitchell. He's back from IR. They've got some nice weapons. Defense, run the ball, stop Jimmy G. The offensive line is not as good, but they're, they're just one of those teams – once they get into the playoffs, you got to work for every yard that you get. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals. No. No. Yeah, we've already seen that play out. I agree. Because uh, the West is literally just everyone's dogfighting it. The LA Rams, they're 3-6. and six. I mean, a huge Super Bowl hangover. Um, they're without Kevin O'Connell. Uh, I got Matt Stafford playing on one arm. Cooper Cup might be out for some time. If the Rams got it together, and if they ended up you know, maybe sneaking in as the 7th seed, which is still a path for them, would they scare you? No. They're a one-trick pony. I agree. Or bust. They had they they don't utilize any other other weapons. They don't have a run game worth raising hell about. They've fallen off the face of the earth. So no, I don't fear them at all. All right, in the NFC South. So I think the Bucks will win this division, but in the event that they don't, uh, would the Bucks scare you if they had to come to US Bank Stadium? I can't believe I'm saying this, but no. 
I don't fear them at all either. Uh, they're a team that they're just getting by. I wouldn't even be surprised if they somehow found a way to lose the NFC South division. Atlanta's right there. They might come back and win it from them. Hell, they, there was that game they played against the Falcons. There was that, uh, that goodness, it was a sack on Brady, and they called that rough in the passer, oh, yeah. and that extended the game. And the Falcons had a chance to come back and win. The Bucks just aren't a good football team, even with Tom Brady. He's not that magic that he once had is no longer there, kind of similar to Aaron Rodgers. So, no, can't believe I'm saying this, but Tampa, come on down. We'll take you on. I, I feel like then the rest of the NFC South is in the same VIN, you know, like the Falcons, Panthers, Saints. No, no one in that yes. division. If they had, in fact, if you want it, I don't like to hope for an opponent, but mm-hmm. if, if I could hope for an opponent, and if somehow one of those uh, three teams ends up getting the last wild card spot, That'd be the most ideal team for the Vikings to face if you don't want to overlook a team. That South is the worst division. Uh, last one for you, Randy, because this one's still definitely a possibility. The Packers. The Packers at U.S. Bank Stadium. Okay. Come on. You know what? I hope they can get into the playoffs. <laughs> Come back, crawl your way, and get into the playoffs and get your asses ended. Have your season finished against us. Start and finish. Please, Start and the finish Packers. It. They're a joke. Not worried about them one bit. So Aaron Rodgers, if he comes back next year, what, start Jordan Love. Who cares? <laughs> They're a joke. I'm so, ha- I'm so happy that I'm seeing the downfall right now. But I hope the Packers come. So in your mind then, the only teams that would potentially scare you for sure are the Niners. Yes. Maybe Seattle, just because it's unknown. I mean, yeah, they've scored 257 points. That's the most in the NFC. The Seattle Seahawks and Geno Smith have scored the most points in the NFC. Dude, I'm telling you, Geno Smith, before Seattle, before he got this start opportunity, he was a guy who was a bust. He was a guy yeah. he couldn't oh, make yeah. plays into. And I get the Jets before Robert Sala this year. They've been a dysfunctional organization. But Geno Smith was done. Mm-hmm. Hey, oh, you're going to play. Uh, oh, I guess it's going to be Drew Locke. Oh, Drew Locke lost the battle to Geno yeah. Smith. Okay, that's going to be worse. I wasn't worried about him one bit. Now he's playing like. My goodness, an MVP candidate. Yeah, He'll win comeback player of the year, but he I don't know who this player is, and that's the problem. All right, man. Well, yeah, I think that's kind of where I'm at, too. I I, th- I don't buy as much as the Niners. Um, I, I think probably what I'm overlooking here is I think that Jimmy G and Shanahan's relationship is just so fractured at this point, and it's so awkward. I mean, they literally benched him for for their rookie heir apparent, but like they said, like you're not the guy here anymore. And he basically said his goodbyes at post game press conferences when they got eliminated from the playoffs. I just think that that relationship is so important as we're seeing play out right now with Kevin O'Connell and Kirk Cousins um, that that's going to hurt them. Now, the, everything else defense is unbelievable. Yes, they got Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel's a human joystick. They have weapons. They have weapons all over the place that are not their quarterback. I just they don't they don't do it for me. It doesn't. I don't see the fear yet that you have had. You have said that they had Judd and Mackey both kind of are in your vein too. That they don't wouldn't want to play the Niners in the playoffs. For me, I'm I'm not quite there yet. They just have to get to the dance. I've seen this far too many times. Declan Goff. This is a team that even if they don't win the NFC West division, they're going to be a tough out when playoff time starts. And especially we saw that in Lambeau Field last year against the Packers. I mean, goodness, rain, shine, even though they come from California, they played in the snow at Lambeau Field. They are built for the toughest games out there. Doesn't matter where they play. They're going to bring it. You don't see it right now, and I, but this is, this is how it always works for them. I, I'm a little bit fearful of it. Okay, That's I all. get it. 
All right, my man. Uh, another Victory Monday celebrated here on Realistic Randy Rants. You can subscribe to his YouTube channel for also some great Minnesota Vikings content and entertainment. Of course, you can subscribe right here to Purple Daily, Daily Minnesota Vikings Entertainment. Shout out to everyone who came on Vikings Vent Line yesterday. We set a personal and a, a show record uh, for live viewers and consumptions afterwards. Nice. So thank you so much for everyone uh, who dabbled in the Vikings Vent Line. Go check it out if you have not already. Uh, Vikings and Cowboys next Sunday at U.S. Bank Stadium, an afternoon game. And then Realistic Randy and I coming back here on Monday to break things down again. This is going to be fun, man. we got a lot of games coming up. Wait, before you end it, hot take. Mm-hmm. Who are you taking in this game? Oh, I had the Vikings. I got the Vikings got the winning. Vikings? I got Vikings winning by four. I think the Vikings should win this game, but the reason why I may sway the other direction, much like the Minneapolis Miracle, yesterday's win was such a high for this team that I yeah, fear man that the low period, there's going to be a come down point that coaching is going to be the thing that keeps this team afloat. If they win against the Dallas, they should win. But if they do end up winning after a game like yesterday against the Bills, Kevin O'Connell, I mean, my God, he should already, I think X's and O's is already a little bit iffy, but in terms of leadership, the players they want to play for him, he should be a candidate for coach of the year. Absolutely. All right, man, we'll be ready to break that down on this YouTube channel next Monday. Again, hit the subscribe button on Purple Daily. Hit the subscribe button on Realistic Randy Rants, and we'll be back next Monday. Yes, sir. This is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. When Tyreek Hill signed with the Miami Dolphins, we all thought, what the hell is he doing? What made many scratch their heads even further was comments praising Tua's accuracy. In fact, people got tired of listening to Tyreek Hill. They would go as far as to just tell him to just shut up and focus on football. Well, the Miami Dolphins are 7-3. Two attack of a low is near 2,000 yards, 15 touchdowns with three interceptions. Not to mention the Dolphins now sit at the top of the AFC East. Well, they can hear you now, Tyreek. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. And don't forget, BetOnline for NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf exists at BetOnline.net as well. Head to the website today or use a mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Finding the perfect suit can seem impossible, but finding one that's perfect for you is easy with Indochino. Choose your design and custom details. Then submit your measurements online or get measured in store for a custom made-for-you fit at an incredible price. And shop their new fall collection for seasonal styles. Find your perfect suit with Indochino. Get 10% off any purchase of $3.99 or more with promo code FALLUPDATE at Indochino.com. That's I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com, promo code FALLUPDATE.